morning, everyone. It's good to see you. As, uh, as the, uh, the team is coming to collect the offering, I want to mention there's a ministry we're starting here in the next month or two. It's going to be the Grace Life Men's Ministry. I'm going to be uh, leading it along with, uh, with Nate and Arnold and uh, Chris Martini and a few other people. We're just going to get together as men and, and uh, cook dead animals sometimes and <laughs> pray for one another, worship God together, hang out. Um, encourage one another, hold each other accountable. It's going to start a, we're going to kind of really take the men's community in our church and kind of take it to the next level. So that's going to be happening later this summer. So men, keep, uh, keep uh, posted for that. You'll hear about it on social media and email and from up here. But there's going to be a time where we expect the men in the church to get together and encourage one another. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. Um, especially the times that we do cook stuff. That'll be fun. So... <laughs> Also, um, something else I want to mention. So I guess it was probably like 13 years ago that I started preaching at the Garden at Church of the Palms. Um, And between my relationship there and then the time I spent at Covenant Life, that kind of put together a core group that started Grace Life. And there was somebody that I met that first Sunday. He must have been there at like 4.30 in the morning at, at Church of the Palms. Um, and he was running sound, and he was running back and forth like a madman, fixing problems and doing things. And, and uh, he's done it every week from that point to today. So that's 13 years. I've seen this guy almost every Sunday morning. Uh, Mike Bassett, stand up in the back, please. So... You know, every once in a while, God brings you a teammate... Every once in a while, God brings you a teammate that you just, you love working with, but you just love, period. So Mike is starting a new season in his life. He's still, he's not leaving Grace Life. He's still part of our family, but he's going to be, his work schedule's changed, so he's only going to be here like one vacation, our church family, through sound and technical stuff and handyman. Anytime I needed something that it was too hot for me to do, I'd just say, Mike, it's too hot. Can you do it, please? And he just did it. He just did it. I, I love you, brother. We love you. We're so thankful for how God has used you to serve your church family. So make sure you give Mike a big sloppy wet hug and kiss on the way out. He loves that. He loves it. Okay. In the meantime, uh, we do have a good team back there that Mike has worked up and trained with, with Ren and Donnie. Uh, I asked Donnie what he wanted his new title to be. He said, just Donnie does stuff. That's all Donnie's going to be doing back there. Uh, between Ren and Donnie, they'll handle the video and the audio visual and stuff like that. And so I'm thankful that God has brought us people to step in as, as Mike steps out and but his service has been wonderful, and I just love you, and I thank you so much for being a part of our team. So, um, But, Mike, there's a lot of feedback on this microphone. If you could fix that, please. That, no, I'm just kidding. There's no feedback. Um, we're continuing with our series on Joshua. This is week four of our series on the book of Joshua. Somebody asked me today, are you going to go through all the verses that talk about the battles? Yep, we don't skip any verses at Grace Life. We go chapter by chapter, verse by verse. So I'm not sure how I'm going to handle it, but I'm sure we'll handle it somehow. But this is week four. I've called this message Rahab's First Passover. So do you ever forget important things? (laughs) My famous thing is, you know, when Laura, when I'm going to the store and she gives me a list, I don't need a list. Yes, I do. What about locking a door? You ever forget to lock a door? Oh, man. Or your cell phone. Isn't that the worst feeling? 
Oh no, it was my cell. Or your wallet. Have you ever forgotten a birthday of somebody important? God forbid, men, have you ever forgotten an anniversary? Oh, geez. I've never forgotten one, right, Laura? I've never. Not true, I have. Um, have you ever heard stories about someone leaving an important part out of an assembly or repair and it's all done and then you look on the floor and it's there, well, you don't need it, and then it falls apart because it was the most important part? <clears throat> have you ever been given an important task or an important job to do and you forgot some of the most critical instructions and because you forgot them, your whole task resulted in complete failure, having to start over? Because we know that in this world today, forgetting important stuff can have a range of consequences. It can be annoying, frustrating, it can be expensive, and it can also, forgetting important things, be catastrophic. If you think about it, remembering important stuff is a huge part of living on this earth. And we have to actually, all of you, and if you don't, you're in trouble, you've really got to put a lot of effort into remembering things. To make sure we remember important things, we use lists. We use digital tools like, you know, our phones. And, hey, Google, remind me. Everybody's phone's going to go off. I shouldn't have done that. Um, visual aids. We have to use visual aids. We develop habits and routines that we do over and over again. We use holidays to remember important milestones, important people, or maybe important historical events, or maybe learn from tragic events. And then some of us, we keep precious things that may not have much intrinsic value or mean much to other people, but they are precious to us because they are memories. and They keep our memories fresh of loved ones who are no longer with us. And I would say the more precious or critical it is to remember, the more careful we become to make sure we don't want to forget. And as Grace Life, as a church family, as we seek to follow the Lamb wherever He goes and we go into the land, the most important thing we need to remember is why we are going into the land. I know this may seem obvious, I know, but, but going into the land is complicated. There's distractions, there's challenges, there's hardships, there's suffering, there's mistakes. Sometimes we forget important things. And so we're going to need constant reminders about the important things in our mission. We need to remember the why and the how and the what and the who and the when. Or we're going to be in trouble. With that in mind, let's read our passage. It's Joshua chapter 2, the second half of the passage, starting in verse 15. You guys can click it over for me. We're not able to click. There we go. All right. This is a story of Rahab. It's the second part of her story. Then she let them down, the spies who she was hiding, she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, so she lived in the wall. She said to them, go into the hills, or the pursuers will find you. Hide there for three days until the pursuers have returned. Then after you may go your way. The men said to her, we will be guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land... You shall tie this scarlet cord, scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. You shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, all your father's household. And if anyone goes out the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head. And we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who's within you, with, with you in your house, his blood will be on our head. 
But if you tell this business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your word, so be it. Then she sent them away and they departed. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went into the hills and remained there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers searched all along the way and found nothing. Then the two spies, the two men returned. They came down from the hills and passed over and came to Joshua and they told him all that had happened to them. And they said to Joshua, truly the Lord has given all the land into our hands. Also the inhabitants of the land melt away because of us. It's just a great story. We're going to try to do it justice. I want you to see that there is a perfect plan of escape. Sorry. There's a perfect plan of escape. First of all, I want you to see she's described as living inside a city wall. She lived in perhaps the least appealing location within the ancient fortified city of Jericho. She's living in caves, catacombs carved out of the city wall, not on purpose. And where her house is, right on the city wall, it's a long distance from any of the comforts or amenities that the city might offer. Her house is vulnerable to invasions. If somebody invaded Jericho, her house is the first one to be hit. It's located right near where everybody dumps their waste and their sewage and everything right outside. Her house likely had one entrance. It is this elevated window for access. It makes going into your home inconvenient and uncomfortable. I think this house that she lives in, even though it's kind of nasty, it's actually the perfect house. It symbolizes, though, Rahab's social marginalization. A single woman, a prostitute living on the fringes of society, culturally, spiritually, and literally. This marginalization, I think, could be some of what God used to help her see the hopelessness of putting faith and trust in Jericho's walls and convinced her to put her hope in God and his promises. See, the nature and the location of her house I think, personally, is one of the more fascinating parts of the story that no one ever talks about. It's largely ignored in the details. But by God's sovereign plan, she is uniquely positioned in this house to provide the exact things that Joshua's spies would need to escape the city. You know, I love how God plans every detail. Right down to her house in the city wall to position Rahab for good works, which he prepared beforehand that she just trips over. So Rahab hides the spies, and and then she tricks the spy police. Listen, I don't know who they were, but they already left. If you hurry and chase them back to the Jordan River, you might catch up to them. Here's what's amazing. Here's another amazing part of the story. She is a single prostitute woman living on the fringes of society. The spy police listen to her. (laughs) They take her advice. They leave the city right near nightfall. The city gates close behind them as they leave. Question for you. Why would the spy hunters, given this critical job, take the advice of a prostitute living in the worst house in the city? So at night, with the city gates closed, Rahab lowers the spies through what's likely her only window facing 
the outside walls of the city. Then we see this story about the scarlet robe. This is a great story. As Joshua's spies leave, they give Rahab specific instructions to follow to ensure that her family and her are safe during the siege that is about to take place. They give her a scarlet rope. They tell her to hang it from her window, the one that she helped them escape out of, as a sign to the army of the Lord when they come to spare everyone that lives in that house. Stay inside, stay together as a family until the battle is completely over. Anyone who does not stay inside, their fate is on them, not us. And later we learn that Rahab, Rahab shared these instructions with her family and they all followed the instructions perfectly. Rahab and her entire family were saved. And then we see that the spies have actually... Something's going on here. Don't, don't look at those. Okay, don't look at those. <laughs> A good report. After escaping Jericho, the spies waited for three days in the hill. Now listen. Yes, church, I see it. Three days. I know what you're thinking. Jesus in the tomb, three days. I see it, but we're not going down that rabbit hole today. Do you understand? It's a really cool one, but we're not going there. But yes, there is a connection, in case you were wondering. The spy police search in the wrong direction for three days. They give up, and they return home empty-handed. This provided the perfect opportunity for Joshua's spies to return to their camp unnoticed near the Jordan. And they return with a beautiful story about divine intervention through Rahab. And then an exciting report to, about Jericho's vulnerability. The people of Jericho are completely full of fear. Let's go right now. However, the siege would have to wait just a couple of more days. And here's why. A Passover to remember. So let's talk about the instructions they were given to tie this scarlet rope in her window. The same window they escaped out of. Does this procedure, you know, put something red over an opening and stay in until it's done, does that sound familiar to anyone? Where would the spies get this idea? Something red over an opening, stay inside. Sound familiar? Of course, it's very similar to the instructions God gave to Israel while they were in Egypt so they would not be killed when the angel of death passed all over Egypt. Matter of fact, it's in Exodus. Look what the instructions were given to them in Exodus. Take hyssop, dip it in the blood in the basin. Touch the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood. None of you shall go out the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over... The door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you. You shall observe this right as a statute for you and your sons forever. Okay, you get one guess. What time of year do you think the siege of Jericho was about to take place? One guess. Any takers? Passover. Matter of fact, in Joshua chapter 5, we see this. Go back. Don't look. Okay. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, this is right outside Jericho, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. This is right before they go in. They're celebrating Passover. The day after this first Passover in the Promised Land, the siege on Jericho began. 
That's just a coincidence, right? That it happened the day after Passover. Ah, they didn't plan it that way, right? No, it was a plan. See, Joshua had a very specific timetable for Jericho. He knew the calendar, and he remembers the first Passover, and it's all by design. The spies also likely knew of Joshua's timetable. And can you see how the pending Passover celebration they were about to participate in would have inspired their idea with the scarlet cord in the window? Imagine, right? They're hiding under the thatched roof while the the spies are looking for them. They come and say, have you seen them? She says, no, but you can go chase them. They're hiding right under that thatch. We talked about that last week. They're there until nightfall, and they're talking about a plan to spare Rahab and her family. This is speculation on my part, but I think it's reasonable. Hey, do you remember how God told us to put blood over the doorpost so we would be spared in that first Passover when he judged Egypt? You know what we should do? Now that we are God's instrument of judgment to Jericho, let's give Rahab a similar sign to that, to the blood. What if... What if we told Rahab to use the scarlet rope? Here, I've got one here, right here. Give it to her. Tell her to, to do the same thing that God told us to do in Egypt. Stay inside and you'll be safe. How cool would that be? I mean, here we are. We're coming up on Jericho. We're going to siege the place. Everyone will see this scarlet rope in the window facing outside the city. Our brothers, when they see that rope, they'll know about it because we told them they're going to be so fired up. They're going to remember Passover. Now they see that we are the Passover. It's going to be awesome. They will remember what God did for us in Egypt. And then they will see how God is doing the same thing for our sister Rahab. See, their instructions to Rahab are more than just some random plan. They know that it's going to become a symbol of God's faithfulness. And now understand, Rahab's hope is not in this scarlet rope in her window. She knows that the real power is in something else. Then look what happened. They did what they were supposed to do. Look what happened. Click it forward for me, guys. But Rahab the prostitute in her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. She has lived in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. The scarlet rope, her scarlet rope, Rahab's scarlet rope became another covenant sign, much like Noah's rainbow, much like circumcision to Abraham, much like the Lord's Supper is to us. For Rahab, it would become this this scarlet rope a powerful reminder to her and to her family about what God had done for them personally. After 40 Passovers, the first one in Egypt, and now 39 other ones in the wilderness, this Passover was the best since the first one. But it was Rahab's very first. She'd never celebrated Passover before. She wasn't Jewish. And every, I just imagine it, every Passover after this one, as Rahab lived among the Israelites, Rahab probably celebrated two Passovers, didn't she? Israel's and her own personal Passover. For her, the scarlet rope 
Like the blood over the door would remind her of God's promise of protection from judgment. And then for us, the scarlet rope, like the blood on the door, reminds us of the price of our redemption, which is, as Megan and the team were singing earlier, the blood of the Lamb of God. The fact that Rahab is a Gentile is also cool for us, is it not? It reminds us that God's plan for redemption is for all his people in any and every nation or background. It shows how while the first Passover was certainly a memorable event, it is just a foreshadow of the greatest Passover that is yet to come. You know which one it is? We've learned about it in Revelation. It's the day that all of wickedness is judged and those covered by the blood of the Lamb will be saved. That's a Passover too. Aren't you glad God spared Israel in the first Passover in Egypt? Aren't you glad God spared Rahab in the 40th Passover in Jericho? Aren't you glad he has spared you in your own personal Passover? I want to talk about your personal Passover. This was the sermon preview this week. If you guys could click that for me, this one's not working. So... This was what I wrote. As Rahab's salvation was entirely dependent on a scarlet cord, so was ours. His name is Jesus. Rahab, the Gentile prostitute's faithful obedience, became renowned in Jewish history. Did you know that? It placed her in what some people call the hall of faith. Put that verse up on the screen for me. It's in Hebrews 13, or 11, uh, verse 31. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And if you look forward at all through that chapter 11, you'll see the people that are listed in that hall of faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah and Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and his parents, the entire nation of Israel, when they passed through the Red Sea on dry land, she is counted fully as one of the most renowned people of God, and she's not even Jewish. In fact, did you know that we learn in Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, you can read it there for yourself, you know what God does? God makes her a direct descendant of our Jesus. She's listed in the genealogies of Jesus. This is amazing. Over the years, what do you think that scarlet rope become to mean for Rahab? Do you think she kept it? Or do you think she just threw it away after the battle? Oh, I don't need this anymore. I bet she cherished it. I wonder how after the, like, after the battle was over, how long do you think she just kept it hanging in the window? <laughs> like some of y'all, y'all don't take your Christmas trees down to like February 30th, I know, right? But she kept, I, I bet she, I don't want to take this down. Why would she want to take it down? It meant the world to her. It was a reminder of this covenant she made with the spies that day, how they remembered her. And spared her family. For Rahab, that scarlet rope became a reminder of the day her faith aligned her with God, his people, and his plan of redemption. It reminded her of her very first Passover ever. 
when God spared her from judgment just as he did Israel 40 years earlier. Now, I don't know how much Rahab knew about Passover before that day, but living with Israel over the next several years, I bet she learned quite a bit about Passover. What do you think? I wonder when her family celebrated Passover each year if her scarlet rope became part of their own special family tradition. You think it's possible her family hung it in the window each year to remind themselves of their own personal Passover story? You think maybe whenever the spies saw that rope in her window, it was a precious reminder for them too? I want to talk about your scholar, divine forbearance. He has what? Passed over former sins. If you, church family, are a follower of Jesus, you too have experienced at some point your own personal Passover. We all have our own scarlet rope we need to remember, to cherish. It's Jesus, his blood, and his promises. Okay, let's just address the obvious. Some of you complained about it even as you walk in. There are these scarlet ropes hanging in all the doors, right? Connected. Some of you know, you could have hung them a lot nicer, Joe. Well, it's not my fault. Steve hung them, okay? It's not my fault. Yell at him. <laughs> Steve and I wanted to come up with a way to help you remember some very important things today. So we put these things and we designed it so that you'd have to go around it. Or if you what was that? Oh, it was a rope. You know, I think it's good to have reminders of what Christ has done, don't you think? Like these scarlet ropes hanging over every entry. Because you know, sometimes it's good for us just to stop. Find our own scarlet rope moments and just remember. These ropes are here to remind you about Jesus. Yes, I, I know that, that as Christians, remembering Jesus seems quite obvious, right? But we forget every day. So with that in mind, what we're going to do is take just a few minutes here, what we have left in our time together, take a few minutes here, and I want to instruct you to remember a few things, okay? First of all, I want you to remember this. No matter what your past, just like Rahab, you are not beyond the reach of God's sovereign grace and mercy. I want you to remember this, that our Jesus shed his blood on the cross once for all time as a sacrifice for your sins. I also want you to remember this, that your righteousness is not your own. You've been made righteous through Christ on the cross. I want you to remember this because, that because of Christ's blood. This is what's really cool. Just like with Rahab, God sees you as one of his own. And he has sealed you for salvation through faith. You know what else I want you to remember? I want you to remember you like Rahab, have been called out of hope in Jericho to live among God's people as children of the promise. I want you to remember something else, that you need to stand strong and courageous on those promises even when everything else in your earthly life is collapsing and crumbling around you. I want you to remember this, that the promise Jesus made when he told us to go into the land, the Great Commission... I want you to know this, that he has given us power to overcome. Remember, he said he has promised, as you go into the land, 
I'm going to be with you always, even to the very end of the age, until the land is completely yours. He said that. I want you to remember this. As you go into the land, you will desperately need his presence, his guidance, his people, and his protection every step of the way. If you think you can do it without his people, his presence, his guidance, or protection, you're in big trouble. It'd be like coming out of the house while the battle's still raging. Because following the lamb, going into the land, teaching everything Jesus has taught us, it's not going to be easy for you. As you leave today, as you walk under these ropes, I want each of you just quickly touch one so you won't easily forget Jesus for at least today. As you walk under these ropes today and as you go into the land, you will need to remember all those things I listed for you. And as you walk under these ropes, you need to find ways that you'll be able to remember all the promises Jesus has made. As you walk under these ropes, as you leave today, I also want you to remember the cost of those promises. His blood shed for you on the cross. And as you walk under these ropes, I want you to be inspired. Listen to me. I want you to be inspired to the kind of faithful obedience that Rahab has displayed for you as an example to follow regardless of the danger or the cost it might bring. And as you walk under the scarlet ropes today and you go into the land, remember that you can be strong and courageous just like our sister Rahab was. Dear Jesus, it's easy to forget. It's easy to forget our first personal Passover, the day that you called us out of darkness into light and saved us and transformed us. Lord, we thank you for the story of Rahab and the scarlet rope. Lord, I pray that you would remember these things, help us use these to remember these things today. Lord, help us to become creative of knowing how we can always have a quick memory of what you have done what you are doing, and what you will do for us. We are so easily distracted by this world. We forget so many things. We remember so many things. We forget the most important, the most critical. Lord, by your supernatural grace, help us to never forget. Help us to always remember the cross. even when we don't feel like remembering it. We ask for this in Jesus' name.